an hour no two. no it's first first frame first frame there is no zero in simty okay <laughs> so gotcha. um whenever you're yeah. ready whenever you're ready yeah. you can just, okay. just kick so, it so um so thank you for agreeing to come and chat well letting me come and chat with you yeah because this is this is my first real remote uh using someone else's equipment and stuff like that so nice. um so the just to give you a background of what what the podcast is doing and what i'm trying to do with it um is so as i was saying before we started recording uh back after the election i kind of got the idea of wouldn't it be cool to have a podcast with people that mm -hmm. i know talking about the stuff that we're not really people aren't really comfortable talking about over like Thanksgiving dinner, Christmas dinner right, coming up. Right. So everyone started cause everyone was kind of fighting like cats and dogs because of the election. Oh yeah. And so I just said, fuck it. And started recording with my brother on uh, like effectively like the day after Christmas. And so we did like two and a half hours of a political thing talking about uh, the election, also talking about us growing up, talking about our parents huh. and all, all the things. Right. And right. like hit, hit the, the NSFW trifecta of, sex politics and religion there you go all in two and a half hours so since then that's kind of the the theming um but whenever i was so over the last couple of weeks i've been trying to think of different people that i know because i've lived here in san francisco for 13 years now or in the bay area i should say um and i know a lot of really interesting people that have worked for a lot of cool companies that have uh done a lot of really cool stuff culturally and I started thinking of how does that work in with what's going on with right. politics and going, you know what? I know a guy who knows a lot about stuff like information security. Oh, yeah. Um, because that's <laughs> something that's kind of becoming more – it's been important. It's been really important. But that's kind of grown exponentially in the last couple months. Um, and it's important for us to stay safe, especially if we are um, – speaking out against like i would i would love to not have to say things like this right but with the last you know 72 hours of things that have been going on in washington it becomes more important that i say it's important for people that are speaking out against the government to stay safe and things like that so yeah um i don't think that the the, the few people that i know <laughs> right. that are listening to this right now i mean more could be listening mm -hmm. but they but i haven't gotten that much feedback aside from people that i interact with on a daily basis um but if anyone who doesn't know about like the base the base things that everyone should know about information security, where which is uh, like password protocols and two-factor yep. authentication and things like that, then I would love to start oh, yeah. there. We can chat about yeah. All there's that a lot. There's a lot then, we can do there. Okay. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I think um, you know fundamentally. First, I should probably introduce myself. Yeah, no, 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 no I, I was so, about to say um, this is John. Yeah. So, so <laughs> my name is John Adams. Um, I used to lead the information security team at Twitter. Hmm. Um, I currently am a information security consultant. Um, I also work with the United States um, Open Technology Fund. Uh, we're a fund that takes money from the U.S. government, and you know, we give it to to people and uh, organizations that are working to foster communication mm -hmm. and democracy in other countries. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, we pretty much do exactly what the the FBI <laughs> probably doesn't want us to do. We we encourage encryption. You know, yeah, yeah. There is funding from OTF um, for things like Tor, mm -hmm. um, um, Open Whisper Systems, Signal, uh, and a whole bunch of anti um, anti censorship and circumvention technologies that allow people in other countries to get around things like you know the Chinese firewall. Yeah, yeah. The, oh, so something I just thought of as you were saying mm. all this. Um, 
two weeks ago ish, I launched a kind of a hidden blog on my own website, mm-hmm. um, and it's just because I want to be able to post stuff that I'm thinking about as I'm thinking about it in regards to exactly what we're talking about. Okay, and it's and for the URL, it's not linked directly on my website, but mm-hmm. if you type it in, it'll work. Uh, it's faraday.com/resist, okay. and I'll put this in show notes as because <clears throat> we're talking about all this. And I, um, and I hope your site has HTTPS. <laughs> uh, well, I host through Squarespace. <clears throat> okay. So, um, so if, um, yeah, I'm not sure if they, if they do HTTPS by default, but uh, but we'll, we'll we get, we can double check. This. We'll get to that. Yeah, <laughs> a, a part of this is also me going, okay, well, what is John saying, and what do I need to do right, myself? Right. And it's kind so, of me checking my own stuff. So I think I think probably the best place to start that discussion is by talking about what's what we call in the information security business a threat model. Yeah. So a threat model is essentially what what do you have. What are you willing to do to protect it? Yeah. <clears throat> and what would happen if that information was uh, was compromised in some yeah. way? So for every person, that's different. Yes. So if you're a journalist, yes. now, you know, we've been hearing about this. That's a little more. We hear about crazy things like, oh, you know, uh, apparently anyone who disagrees with the Trump administration is, is fake news. Yeah. But they say, well, you're fake news because you have sources and you won't tell us who our sources are. And... It's like no. Sorry, that's how journalism that's works. That's how journalism works, right? There, <laughs> yeah. there are there are such things as anonymous sources, yeah. and the anonymous sources, um, you protect them, you know. And if you're a journalist, hypothetically, one of your one of your sort of main problems is what would happen if your source was compromised. Yeah. So, I get to your computer, I break into your computer, I I may install malware, mm-hmm. I use the malware to monitor you, I figure out who your who your sources are. And let's say I exclude you from the White House briefings or, mm-hmm. you know, I in, in other countries, I might I might capture you and question you, torture, kill you. Yeah. So we saw this happen with Yahoo, with Chinese dissidents. Mm-hmm. You know, the those people have a very different threat model than, you know, Joe Internet user yes. walking down the street. Yeah. Um, you know, you might you might work somewhere where you have, um, you know, you may, maybe you were trying to protect your sexuality or if, yeah. if it came out that you were LGBTQ in some way that you would lose your job. Yeah. Same idea. So your threat model is to protect your identity until you're ready to, you know, come out to the people and, and mm-hmm. what have you. Mm-hmm. So what that does is that sort of sets up a, um, it sets up the way that you handle yourself online. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> there are, in fact, you know, the, the Electronic Frontier Foundation and, you know, full disclosure, my, my wife is a director of cybersecurity there. But, I, I, I wasn't yeah. going to bring that up yeah, because yeah. I didn't know whether or not that should be brought up, mm. but yeah. Okay. No, it's fine. Um, no, it's fine. But they, they do have a site called sssd.org. Okay. And sssd.org is surveillance self-defense. They've put a lot of work into that. You can go okay. in there and sort of p- put in who you are mm-hmm. and say, oh, I'm, you know, I'm a journalist. I'm a teacher on this. And then it sort of walks you down a path of what you should should do. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of... Uh, a lot of things you can do, basic things that you should be doing no matter who you are. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and that's sort of like a, you know, basic guideline for handling, handling yourself online. Like, you know, most people most likely reuse passwords. That comes up a lot. Uh, I'm definitely you, guilty pr- of this. You're probably guilty of that. But so, I, well, I, I think, I, so I think passwords by themselves, not yep. a tangent, but passwords by themselves, that's a problem because yeah. we're not all expected to remember a 26 character right. or hexadecimal, right. whatever, whatever, sort of thing right. so for the, the idea every is, site. Right. Yeah. So the idea is to remove that, <clears throat> remove that choice from the user and mm-hmm. say, look, you know, I'm only going to use a password manager. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that creates a new set of problems because if I was on, you know, if I'm on my phone, I have to type in a password. If I'm on my Apple TV, you have to type in a password. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, is like by moving the passwords into a password manager and having the password manager create those passwords for you, yeah. you don't know any of your passwords. Yeah. Right. So, so you can't be you can't be compromised. You can't, you can't be, be compromised. And there's actually a hidden feature of a lot of password managers that people forget about. You know, I I still believe that the 
um, the primary mechanism, the way that most people are attacked is phishing. Okay. Malware happens. We, mm -hmm. a lot of people get infected with malware. That's probably number one and a half, mm -hmm. you know, one and a half or two. Um, but most people, when they, when they lose access to their account, they, we read stories in the paper about people being hacked. No, no one's being hacked. You know, I, I don't consider it a hack if you willingly give your password over to somebody. Yeah. Right. And we see this a lot, you know, especially in, um, you know, in journalists that don't really understand the technology they're reporting on. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we don't, we also, we don't expect every single information security person to be a journalist and, you know, vice versa. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, that's another... let's be honest, maybe starting now. They should be. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. Um, so that being said, um, we we have a feature in a lot of these password managers where they have autofill. Mm -hmm. So the password manager stores your password, it creates your password, it stores your password, mm -hmm. and then it fills in your password so you don't have to type it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, if you use one password, I'm a huge one password okay. user. I probably have two thousand logins at one password. Okay. I don't know any of my passwords. Mm -hmm. I know the password that gets me to one password. Okay. I don't know the rest. Well, of my so passwords. I guess uh, with password managers, that because yeah. I haven't jumped into that because I, yeah. I would rather know more about how the system works before right. I invest the right. time and effort to do all this. So this is interesting because yeah. you know when I was at Twitter, we we actually went through all the password managers. You know, we looked at OnePass, mm -hmm. LastPass, KeyPass, um, Dashlane hadn't come out yet. Dashlane's a rather recent <clears throat> arrival on the password manager scene. Um, but the the most important thing about these password managers um, is that they store your password fully encrypted on, on your system and that they also store all the sites that you go to. So mm -hmm. so the password manager is essentially a table. Right? It says, yeah. you know, for this site, I use this username and this password. Yeah. You want that data encrypted too because that's metadata about where you go. Yeah. So <clears throat> in the very early versions of 1Password, you had a file on, on disk that had the list of all the sites you went to, but it also had your password fully encrypted. So that's yeah. really bad because if I get a hold of the file, <clears throat> I can tell where you go, you yeah. know, and maybe... Yeah. You know, some random, you know, sex or porn site. You don't want people knowing about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, so anyway, that being said, 1Password later changed that to fully encrypt the database. Mm -hmm. um, the other big thing is that the algorithms used to encrypt the password are well known. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all cryptography in general, we want to see... Um, we want to be. We want to know what the algorithms are. We want to know they're approved algorithms. We mm -hmm. want to know they're well tested. Mm -hmm. So you know, pretty much the standard these days is AES. So one password uses AES two fifty six bit encryption, mm -hmm. and it uses another system called uh, PBDKF two, and that's a very fancy way of saying I take your password and I turn it into a two hundred and fifty six bit key. Mm -hmm. It's a way of yeah. hashing that key and making it making your password into a into a larger key. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> that being said, if you do lose the one password and someone gets your password file, um, you know, they could they could compromise you. Okay. They compromise all of you. So it does sort of have the fault where all the eggs are in one basket. Yeah. And I that that probably bothers a lot of people. Now again, now we're back to sort of the threat model problem, which is yeah. which is more important to you. Is it more important that the passwords are all in one place and encrypted and safe and they're random in 40 characters, or that you're trying to memorize a password. Mm -hmm. And I, I think in this case, I'm going to defer to the, to the, to the system. I'm going to defer yeah. to the system because humans, as we know, are no good at randomness. If I asked you to, <clears throat> to write down 50 random numbers, I guarantee you, if we looked at them statistically, they would not be random. There would be some, some level of a pattern right. to it. And that's actually another big part of cryptography mm -hmm. is random randomness mm -hmm. <clears throat> because it's very hard to achieve randomness. Mm -hmm. And I've seen many, many ways of doing that. You know, everything from, um, 
you know, looking at lava lamps <laughs> and seeing like seeing where you know, or looking at an image and looking at the noise in the image. But those are those are very deep topics in cryptography that are not of concern to the average person. Mm-hmm. All the average person needs to know is that one password is generating a secure random password. Mm-hmm. Um, I like one password the best because when we looked at programs like LastPass, um, LastPass had security flaws going back four years massive security issues yeah. in fact i think the most recent one was like f- four or five months ago so that's really really not good um i haven't used dashlane enough to really really mm-hmm. analyze it but you know i use i use one pass um the, anyway the, the the feature that i was I, I was i was talking about is the autofill feature in most of these password managers when you hit the the, the key combination to autofill so in the case of one password i think it's mm-hmm. command backslash okay. right so you hit command backslash or alt backslash on a PC, mm-hmm. and one password will fill in the password, but it will only fill in the password if the current website you're on mm-hmm. matches what it knows. Okay. So a very common sort of phishing attack would be like, okay, I'm going to have you log into Google, but this this domain but it's not actually Google. It's not Google. This it has it just looks like it, it has yeah. you know a G and a zero and, and three O's and a G L E. Yeah. It's enough to trick you. Yeah. Or it is at least if you're not a savvy uh, right savvy enough as a web user to notice something like yeah. that to go this is because in most browsers these days they they'll display some sort of icon right before the mm-hmm. url that whether or not you know it's uh, a secure yeah. site always always like look for the green bar exactly so <clears throat> now now you know what's funny about that is that, that that particular functionality being able to identify whether or not a website is is genuine is actually very poor in mobile mobile is one of the worst places for being able to go to a website and being able to truly identify that it's it's secure because mm-hmm. you don't have a lot of screen space. You know, you don't have the ability to like click on the lock and, and do a depth in-depth analysis. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've had someone send me a link and I said, oh, that can't be true. You know, and it's like I, I, I right click on it. It's like, oh, it's fake, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I've even had this happen with, you know, a lot of people think that the web and the Internet is the only way that this sort of fraud or phishing happens. Well, mm-hmm. it happens on the phone, too. Yeah. You know, and typically we see a lot of phone fraud. Uh, actively targeting like senior citizens and people that don't know any better. Um, just you know, just last week I had a phone call with someone where they started asking for very in-depth personal information, mm-hmm. and they did not identify themselves. Yeah. Or they say, um, I think the one I got was like, "We're calling from the United States Department of Education Loans." It's like, no, there's no such thing. You know. So I mean, there's the Department of Education, but. Yeah. yeah well, they, they make as it as someone yeah. who has a very large <laughs> amount of student loans. Yes. They don't call you. No, they don't call you. They're going <laughs> to so, send you. Send you. So the, yeah. But the idea is that what they do is they take something that's very similar to a real thing mm-hmm. and they use that to attack you. Yeah. And that's the same way that, you know, that's the same way that yeah. uh, phishing works on a website. So it's like just enough to confuse you. It's confusingly similar. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think the FTC was actually successful in shutting down a whole bunch of these. Um, uh, credit card frauds mm-hmm. that were coming in from other countries. So well, I think so. What you said about uh, t- like the targeting of like stuff like senior citizens and things like that, that type of, the, for lack of a better term, right now, uh, those types of scams, those have been going on for decades. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So it, it just it it switched from someone calling you up on the phone to say, "Hi, I'm calling uh, from whatever sort of thing. I would like we need to check in on." your bank account or we need to check in on your phone bill or right. things like this. Instead of doing that, they're sending it via email or sending it via text message mm-hmm. or a fraudulent website, things like that. So yeah. The, it, and the, the, the SMS scams are definitely out there. So I, I'm just, I just remember the different times that I've like 
been able to blatantly tell that some something wasn't something was kind of fishy someone calling me or text messaging me and just it's fun to just ignore it or i there was a ted talk a, a couple weeks ago that i saw of some comedian that he would get those types of fraudulent emails oh, yeah. and he started responding oh, going, yeah, yeah, yeah. hello my friend yes sure. sure but i need to know and like he, he would actually play it up and he would oh, take wow. this out for weeks at a time <laughs> and they would go back and forth until the person wherever they are trying to fish out his information they would finally give up because yeah, they realized so, that he was fucking with them so you know I, i've clearly you know i'm sitting in my studio i have time to play with these people and i was on the phone with someone for half an hour it's amazing because they would say, oh, you know, excuse me, sir, you have these, these student loans. Oh, great, great. Tell me where my loans are. Tell me what school I went to. Yeah. And they, they have no answers, you know. Uh, and, um, uh, yeah, uh, right. Yeah. And then you play with them long enough, and finally, like, you get escalated to someone. Because clearly, you know, you're like in the tier one fraudster, and, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you, you know, you're not good enough. Yeah. And then they, they, they send you up. They send you up to tiers, you know, from, like, tier three, tier one, whatever. But, <clears throat> but it's funny because I, I got the guy so mad. I got him so mad because I was I was online doing Google searches and he could hear me typing, and I said, "Oh well, you know, you know, your office actually doesn't exist. Yeah, you know, that address doesn't exist. Oh, oh did, did you know that you were sanctioned by the FTC?" And finally, he's like, "You know, f you." And yeah, and, he, and then he finally hung up on me. And what was funny is like, "Oh, you just keep typing." I'm so yeah, I'm gonna keep typing and researching you while you're trying to fraud me, you know, defraud me. There was a couple months ago that I had the the student loan sort of nonsense calling me, and I started just being like. Who is this? What company are you? And just started like, and I'm walking around right. my office, right? And like, tr- like I'm like, I'm gonna take these pe- these people call me three times a day. Right. I'm gonna take this call finally, and I'm gonna find out <laughs> like who this is. And so I walk out of my office into like one of the, one of our like long right. deep hallways. No, I start just being like, hey, who is like, where are you like, where are you located? Mm-hmm. How did you get my information? Yeah, always let me, ta- a- let me talk to your manager. Always ask, always and, ask. And they're just like, uh, uh, and finally they just start hanging up. Yeah, and it yeah. took three or four calls for them to stop calling. Well, it, you know, it's funny because it's there's a there's a really great website online called securitysnobs.com, and they sell mm-hmm. physical you know physical padlocks and security mm-hmm. hardware. But the motto of that website is "Don't be the easy target," right? Yeah, and that's what they're depending on. They, they're depending upon you to be a simple and easy target that they can go they can go after. Yeah, and the the problem with that is is it's like. They're going to hang up and go to somebody else. Just mm-hmm. like if you have a good lock on your front door, they're going to go to the next house. Yeah, they're, they're going to, or... Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> you know, I'll tell you a story about my, about my bike lock someday, about how well, they, they, tried, I, they tried to steal my bike, and I had, you know, I had a good, good... I keep seeing all your pictures that you keep yeah. posting, and it, it's just like, <laughs> somebody tried to steal my bike in broad daylight. Yep, it's the twice, third, time, third time this week or something. Twice, twice now in two weeks. Okay, I, guess yeah. I, have a, I guess I have a nice bike. But, um... Yeah, or you, I, ju- or you just have a bike in San Francisco. I have a bike in San Francisco. <laughs> so. Yeah. So, but but anyway, it's the same idea, right? So mm-hmm. even a bicycle, right? Bicycle's a threat model. It's like, yeah. I have a bicycle. What is my threat model? Okay, threat model is someone's going to steal my bike. Okay, how are they going to steal the bike? You mm-hmm. know? Oh, are they going to use bolt cutters? Okay. So you get a U lock. Oh, U lock is you know good defense against a bolt cutter. Oh, but you know it turns out what they're carrying around now on the streets is people are people walking around with angle grinders, mm-hmm. like so battery powered battery powered angle. angle grinders. Okay, how do you defend against that? Well, you get a bigger chain. You know, yeah. you know, you get something that that's going to create a lot of sparks and a lot of noise. It's going to draw attention to them. Yeah. In fact, the last time, um, the only reason the only thing that saved my mm-hmm. bike was they were halfway through the cut, mm-hmm. and out comes the owner of the the coffee shop and says, "Hey, what are you guys doing?" You and know. they're like, oh, <clears throat> right, because it took it took long. So mm-hmm. you know, if you had a, if you had a cable, they'll just snip the cable, mm-hmm. take your bike. So so physical security, 
And, you know, a lot of people who work in information security are also very into physical security because it's the same thing. You know, most of your time, if you go to DEF CON, you go to some of the hacker conventions, there's always a lockpick village because it's the same idea. We want to exploit a weakness Mm -hmm. in something that's physical so we can turn around and say, look, you need to fix this. Exactly. Yeah. Um, You know, I think people, and I always say this, people spend more time worried about the, um, the lock so they, they've spent more time concerned about the specs on their plasma TV or LCD TV they do about the than they do about the lock on the front door. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Like you have a home with tens of thousands of dollars of stuff in it, and you put a $85 lock on the front door. Yeah. Come on. Like, so mm. like stuff, stuff that you're saying kind of gets my brain going in the – in the almost prepper mode. Oh yeah, no. And, well, well and, yeah. The, so preppers, <laughs> a, that's a that's um you know in, in a business we call it DR, right? Disaster recover or disaster readiness. Mm-hmm. And like so, being called a prepper in a lot of cases or like the the, <laughs> the realms that I follow on the internet, that's almost considered a bad thing. But at the same well, time, because, I go, yeah. I would rather be prepared. I would right. rather be ready for the earthquake that's going to come. Yep. I would rather have a, a good lock on my front door. Yep. I would rather have a car that. Uh, is hard to carjack and yep. and take and do whatever with. I would rather do all of these things and just have state oh peace of mind. Right. So so, so again, we're back to the same we're back to the same thing, right? So there's there's two things that are, that come up again and again in these discussions. One is what do you have? <clears throat> you know, what are you willing to do to protect it? Mm-hmm. What happens if you lose it? Yeah. Right. And that could be you know life, liberty, <laughs> data. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. And then the other side of that is I think the reason why that the prepper people. People look down on them as they, they seem to be a little insane. Well, they, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, like, but like it's they're not all insane. Yeah, like, well, I guess the the prepper people that 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 get kind of made fun of almost are. So I'm from the Midwest, mm-hmm. and the preppers back home oh. are more of the good old boys who they stockpile weapons and they they don't stockpile food. Oh, oh no, 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 no. Just... But they but they do weapons, they have like generators, they it's it's like they're gonna go live in a hole in the ground yeah. that that they expect uh the government to come and start trying to apprehend or attack them or something like that. And like they wear all camo, they these yeah. Well, the big uh, trucks with, it sounds yeah. like all they need to do is surround them and not feed them for, for a month and it's over. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But uh so like I said, the like I, I think it I think it's good to be prepared, but there's like there's, there are better ways to go about it, uh, and not wasting your money on stupid shit that really, that it's not going to matter. <laughs> it's in, not in about, the it's not just about the gun. Yeah, you need it, more. Yeah, it's like okay, well, how do how do you stay healthy? Yep. How, how do you make sure? Like, I'm fine to go and buy a year's supply of MREs <laughs> that aren't going to go bad. And just just keep them in in like the the cupboard or in in like the pantry in case shit happens. <laughs> Have a couple <laughs> gallons of water. Yep. We'll we'll figure it out. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's like you know what when they say you know we're seven seventy two hours without without electricity from the world falling apart. Mm-hmm. You know, and I I love reading this stuff. Like I love reading books about risk. You know, I've been reading uh, Command and Control, which is probably one of the most frightening books I've I've read. Okay, <clears throat> Command and Control is about the U.S. nuclear arsenal and all of the things that have gone wrong. Like it turns out that like most of the propellant in these things, if they come into contact with oxygen, they just explode. You know. That's that's probably not a good thing. It's for not an intercontinental it's not, ballistic it's missile. Not a good book to read before bedtime. And then of course I switch over to the other book I was reading, which is Apollo, which is this truly massive book mm-hmm. about about the Apollo missions and what what went wrong. And I just go to bed with nightmares. <laughs> um, but the you know the, the 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 thing is the reason why I it, it's funny I think like a lot of ops people mm-hmm. 
So my background is, is operations and security, not just security. <clears throat> but I think a lot of ops people, we like reading this stuff because it says, oh, look at all the stuff that went wrong. You know, like, like Apollo 13 is like, oh my God, everything went wrong and they fixed it, you know? Yeah. But that's it, like these types of movies and, and things, like they put you in a mindset where you think about risk. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, it's funny. There's, I see a lot of people like, again, you know, physical security people, security people, ops people, they either become like systems administrators or firemen or magicians. Like, and I think the magician thing is, it's the same idea. It's like, oh, you thought everything was going this way, but it actually happened that way. Yeah. You know? So, um, and it, it, it puts you in a mindset where you learn about what can possibly go wrong. Um, okay. So on my list, Oh yeah, uh, list. (laughs) I I have a small list just to, I wrote this stuff this morning. So I was like, okay, just so I remember the different things that I, I've always wanted to ask John. Yeah, sure. Um, Okay, so staying safe online, we're talking about like threat models mm-hmm. uh, and finding out what your threat model is and acting according accordingly. Right. Um, in the show notes, I'll go ahead and put through like the different websites and uh, sure. applications and software that we've been talking mm-hmm. about, so people can research it on their own. Yep. Kind of figure out what they need to do, um, and if there are, if there are any suggestions. Yeah. Then, well, so so we talked about yeah. we talked about password managers. Um, the one thing we haven't really talked about is is the whole. Uh, the whole mess with two factor, you know. So, and I'm on you, the list. It's on that your was list. The next thing. Fantastic. So we. <laughs> so, so, let, yeah, so let's talk about two factor. Um, so a lot of people don't know what two factor is. Mm-hmm. Um, two factor authentication is something you have and something you know. And in fact, nearly every person uses two factor on a weekly basis, mm-hmm. and they don't even know it. If you have a bank card, you're using two factor, right? Because you have the card. Because you have and the you card. Have a pin number. The card and a pin, right? So something you have and something you know. So the idea behind two factor is to you have your password which gets you into the account, but then the two-factor is another factor, typically a key or something stored in a different area that you can then use to log in. So an example, a poor example is like when you log into a website and they send you an SMS. Mm -hmm. And using SMS is, I would never call SMS two-factor. SMS to me is another factor, but it's not Mm two-factor. So two-factor would be like Google Authenticator has has a... a means of sending you a QR code. Uh, your phone stores the QR code, and then every every thirty seconds it produces a new key. Mm-hmm. And um, what's interesting is that a number of companies now make their own custom two factor systems. Okay. Um, if you want to look at a real security, a really crazy security world, someday sit down and, and look at World of Warcraft. Okay. And I know it's funny because it's a game, mm-hmm. but World of Warcraft had massive amounts of fraud theft, economic theft, gold, you know, gold mining. Yeah. yeah. And a few years ago, oh, I remember yeah. I, w- I yeah. was, I was online at those, those yeah, yeah, times sure. it was before, before I, I, I got clean. Yeah. So, so. <laughs> you're right, you're right. yeah. You know, I still have my stuff, but don't tell anybody, <laughs> you know, I still, I still play once in a while. Um, but the thing is, is like, I, I had an opportunity a few years ago to sit down with the security team from Blizzard mm-hmm. and that was completely eye opening. You know, just to sit down in a room and talk to these people about what they went through. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, look at Blizzard. Like, Blizzard's two-factor for Battle.net, which is used on all of their games. Oh, yeah. Um, they actually produce, I think it's a nine-character two-factor code. And it's a beautiful two-factor app. You know, it's mm-hmm. got really wonderful characters. Are we talking about the Authenticator app? Yeah, the, the uh, Battle.net Authenticator. Okay. So yep. Google has their Authenticator app. Um, uh, Authy is another company. The, the whole point of these apps is to, is to take a key from the website, stash it away, and then use that key to generate two-factor codes. That is true two-factor, mm-hmm. where there's a an external generator that mm-hmm. has the has the key. SMS has its own set of problems, mm-hmm. and you know mainly because SMS is very poorly encrypted. 
SMS travels through the phone company. Mm -hmm. So if you were at a, if you were using, like hypothetically, let's say I was in Europe and I receive an SMS for two factor from Yahoo mm -hmm. or you know who whatever company is using it, mm -hmm. um, I just control the phone company. I take the phone company over. I grab your two factor. I'm in your account. Yeah. Right. So like if I can get your password and your two factor, you're done. So SMS is not a good mechanism for two factor. In fact, um, you know, National Institute of Standards, NIST actually said, stop using, stop using SMS for two factor. You had companies like, you know, after I left Twitter, Twitter did something completely ridiculous and tried to release a service called digits and digits was a single factor login. So they would put you at a login screen. They would send you a link. You click the link and it would log your account in. So there's no two-factor. It's just, and th this the is sad face that yeah, sad I'm making. So, <laughs> like that, yeah. that's that. That sounds real bad, right? So this is a very common, a very common issue with companies, right? Like, companies want to improve the growth. They want to reduce the friction it takes to log in. But then security has an opposing model, which says, no, we need to increase friction. We need to really know that a person is who they say they are. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, that's 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 another just quick side note is. A lot of people don't know what the difference is between authentication and authorization, right? So authentication is me asking you, are you who you are, right? Mm -hmm. So are you who you say you are? Yeah. And that's kind of what the purpose of an ID does, mm -hmm. right? So if I look at your driver's license, oh, okay, this guy looks familiar, you know, yeah. it matches. So I'm authenticating you. And then what is he allowed to do? Oh, it's a class C driver's license. It's a class whatever and yeah. motorcycle. That's authorization, so yeah. authorization is what are you what are you allowed to do? So people people confuse those two. Sometimes we abbreviate them as auth n and auth z. Another abbreviation. Okay. Um. Anyway, so that being said, um. There have been some new standards coming up. Um. There's a group of people called the FIDO Alliance and yep. like FIDO the dog, but yep. um. There's a standard called U2F, which is very promising. So there is a device you can purchase very cheaply. It's called the YubiKey. Um. I love YubiKeys. They're wonderful. It's a device you insert into the USB port of your computer and you press a button and it, it, it authenticates you. Mm -hmm. So it's, it is a hardware um, security module. Um, you can store data into it. You can put private keys in there. You can put timed passwords, single-use passwords. And most importantly, it supports this new standard called U2F. Well, okay, so we're talking about a hardware key to right. plug, plug into a computer mm -hmm. to be able to authenticate you to do stuff. What if that's stolen? Ah, you can use more than one. <laughs> okay. You can use more than one and you can remove them from your accounts. Well, um, well, what I guess what I mean is what if, what, like, I have my backpack over here. Right. What if someone were to steal my backpack with my laptop in it and has the key inside the backpack too? Right. Which is probably stupid right. in itself and that should be on me. Well, in the but... case, so, so U2F is currently supported on, it's supported at Facebook. It's supported at uh, Facebook, Google, all of Google's logins. Mm -hmm. It's supported at Dropbox and fairly certain Git, Git has support for it now on, 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 um, on GitHub. Mm -hmm. So, um, but the idea is you still have to use your username and your password, but when it comes time to do your two-factor, then you put the device in and press the button. Okay. So it's not, it's not a single, not a single factor. Okay. Um, but the big advantage of this is that we're now moving, we, we move security out of the computer. Um, most of these, uh, most of the attacks, we talk about malware, mm -hmm. um, we will see them used in conjunction. So like, for example, I would fish you, I would get in, or I, I would make you click on a link, you click on a link, I put malware on your computer, then I use the malware to surveil you, and I use the surveillance to steal things like your banking information. So there, mm -hmm. was, a, there was a Trojan, the, the Zeus Trojan was you know, designed to steal only banking data. 
It would wait for your browser to log into a banking website and then steal that data. And it would probably have a pre-popular... Well, it ha- would have its own list of, like, bank websites yeah. and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, okay. so it would see you... You know, you make an access to Wells Fargo, it says, aha, and then it steals that data. The thing about malware is that if the protection circuit, let's say, is outside the computer in a piece of hardware, malware cannot exfiltrate that data mm-hmm. in the hardware. And the, the, the whole purpose of having this other device is to have a have a, an enclave of mm-hmm. data that no one can steal. Yeah. And that's the that's the beauty of the YubiKey. Um, now, that being said, like Google still supports SMS, you know, two-factor, and they still support Google Authenticator. And there's about nine different ways to log into an account. So unless you disable the other things, having this hardware token mm-hmm. may not be a full uh, full solution for security. But if you have two-factor at all, mm-hmm. even if it is on SMS, it's better than not having it. Yeah. Um, there have been some sites now where it's a phishing site and they will fake the two-factor login screen as well. So what they'll do is they attempt to very quickly log into your account. You know, So they'll put up a page, ask you if you're using a password, then in the back end, they'll try to log into Google, mm-hmm. and then they will try to ask you for two-factor if they get a two-factor request. Okay. Um, so there's that problem. Okay. You know, then there's the other problem, which is, hypothetically, if you were fully logged in, and I broke into your computer and I stole your cookies, I could replay your cookies to log into your account. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of issues here. Mm-hmm. Um, the vast majority of them are around, are around how we authenticate users and and what these people that write the websites do to protect you. And unfortunately, every single website does this differently. Yeah. You know, Google has a lot of geofencing in place. They have a lot of um a lot of protection systems where they try to look at, okay, you know, this person logged in to, you know, they were logged in in Los Angeles and then I saw them log in in London five minutes later. They're they're looking for like habits and stuff yeah. like that. So some of this is called um behavior-based anomaly yeah. detection. Yeah. And, you know. We just had RSA in town a couple of weeks ago. There are a lot of companies selling that, that that hardware. But, you know, as we see every year at RSA, we see a lot of security snake oil being sold. Yeah. You know, every everyone's selling a magic amulet that you can wear to protect you from the big bad guys. It doesn't always work. Well, so so since you, since you mentioned uh, RSA, mm-hmm. um, I, I noticed that, and this is following the stuff that you post online. Yep. I... I'm not saying that I surveil you. <laughs> right. I just pay attention to people that I find interesting. Right. Um, but but we so, do we do reveal we reveal a lot about ourselves online. No, absolutely, <laughs> right. absolutely. Um, you know we when find you, that, that you we say both, we both really like yeah. cats. Well, if you say I hate Wells Fargo, you just told me you had a Wells Fargo account. Yeah. You know. Like... Um, but so with uh, conventions like RSA and yep. you earlier mentioned uh, DefCon, mm-hmm. so these are two things that people might not know what they are. And oh, I right. only know about mm-hmm. DefCon because I've had friends that have gone there. Right, right. I've, I've actually been I've... going to DefCon for 20, yeah. 20 some odd years. Okay. So DefCon is the world's largest hacker convention. Uh, it takes place in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's been in Las Vegas, Nevada now for twenty four years. Okay. Um, this year will be the twenty fifth year, uh, which is amazing. Uh, it's about twenty thousand, thirty thousand people oh, attend. Wow. And it, it comes on the heels of another major security conference called Black Hat. Mm-hmm. Black Hat is more of the kind of commercial and government side. So we see a lot of, a lot of suits. We see mm-hmm. a lot of military. Mm-hmm. And then DEF CON is more of kind of, you know, crazy hackers. Um, mm-hmm. At the same time of DEF CON, there's also another conference called B-Sides. And there are B-Sides all over the United States and the mm-hmm. world. And B-Sides is like, it's posed as like an alternative conference to, to DEF CON. But anyway... 
DEFCON uh, has really grown a lot. Um, it has, there are mainstays to the conference, like there's a hardware hacking village where people can work on hardware and learn about hardware stuff. The last couple of years, we've had a car hacking village where people have actually shown up with a full dashboard from a vehicle, like on a tabletop, and then they attack the, they attack the car. Because mm -hmm. cars are, you know, I, I think it was Bruce Schneider who said this, but our, you know, what's a car? A car is a computer with wheels, you know? Yeah. You know, what's a phone? Oh, it's a computer with a speaker and a microphone. Everything's a computer, right? Yeah, everything is Everything's a computer. So the idea is is trying to teach people how to how to hack those things. There's always a lock pick village where people learn how to pick locks. Mm -hmm. So um and then there are there are security talks that happen as well as hacker jeopardy, which is a pretty funny. And um what else is there? You know, and then there's usually like a dance party and a couple bands that play. Okay. But this year it's at Caesar's Palace. It's on July twenty seventh and um, I'm actually working on a project for DEF CON this year. I'm building a, a, a wearable electronic badge. Electronic badges have kind of become a mainstay mm -hmm. of, of DEF CON. Um, there are about six or seven people that do it really well. Mm -hmm. We hope to be one of them. Okay. Um, so, so you can't so, see it online, but there's a big pile of electronics next to me on so my desk. So what, what do these uh, electronic badges do? Um, typically, they're, they're a, a screen, and you know, it's a screen and an input device for some microcontroller. Okay. And always, you know, some blinking LEDs. And more recently, people have been adding radios. Okay. So um, DEF CON 18, there's a group called Ninja Networks that built a fighting game where you could have a badge, you could wear it, and you could attack someone else who had a badge. Okay. <clears throat> and um, the badge that we're building for DEF CON 25 is very similar, which I'll give you a demo of after the podcast. Okay. We, we won't um, talk about features. We won't but... talk about features because, <laughs> because we're trying to keep some of the things secret because we haven't launched it yet. But needless to say, we've been working on our badge since August. We've got a couple prototypes back. Yeah. Um, but the, the idea is you, you're building this thing because it's a way to learn electronics, to learn electronics, manufacturing, microcontroller, programming, you know, what what's it like to work when you don't have a Big Mac Pro and a lot of drives, you know? Or, yeah. You know, so, so for example, like our badge has 128K of flash. It has 16K of RAM, and that's it. That just that just reminds me of like 1991. Yeah, so it is. In fact, you know, this year the theme. I I think the theme of DefCon this year is eight bit. Okay. So, kind of good keeping with the theme. But um, I think a lot of people who learn to program these days, they they learn to program on the web. They learn JavaScript. They mm -hmm. learn, you know, Node or whatever the hell the language of the week is, yeah. right? But you don't really understand computers and hardware until you have serious restrictions. Mm -hmm. You know. And we've we've definitely written high level languages that get past these restrictions, right? Mm -hmm. So, but we we still you, you you're not going to be a good programmer unless you understand the restrictions. And mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I think that um, you know students especially should kind of have that experience. And I think the nice thing is more recently we've seen the Arduino's mm -hmm. like Arduino's become very popular. It's a very yeah. popular, um, uh, I believe it's eight bit uh, Amtel um, AVR microcontroller okay. that somebody put on a nice circuit board. Okay. That's all it is, right? But the thing is, is it will teach you how to flip bits. It'll teach you the underpinnings of the technology you're using every day. It's very hard to hand someone an iPhone and be like, hey, learn programming. You're like, whoa, you know, where do I start? Yeah. Um, I know that any time that I've tried to, like over the last couple of years, I every now and then I'll go and download Unity and I'll be like, yeah. okay, I want to I make... Unity is actually really hard. <laughs> I like it. It's really hard though. Well, so the difficulties I've had is... Here is a geometric solid. Mm -hmm. It's a cube. It's a dodecahedron or right. something like that. All I want to do is make it spin. Right. And the like, and having it's like, okay, well, here's the the instructions in Unity to do something like mm -hmm. that. 
But then there's a base understanding of like computer science, right? That you have to know some base levels of like Java or something like that. Well, well, like, or or or, uh, or you have to, you have to understand you have to understand three D three D graphics. I mean, I, I took yeah. I took three D graphics in college, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I did a lot of a lot of graphics work. And what was funny for me is like I had concepts in calculus I did not understand. I didn't understand them at all until I got to graphics and I went, oh, right. Because, you know, because I'm very visual. Like yeah. Once I could see it and once I, oh, that's what my math does. Oh, yeah. you know, what's, what's, what's a normal on a, on a plane? Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Oh, right. Well, and I, th- I think stuff like this, because I'm going through the same sort of things where, uh, like, I'm thinking back about, like, the classes in high school, like, the math classes that I didn't do too well right. in. And going, I don't really understand, didn't understand the concepts until I started trying to understand uh so like my background uh my education is in design oh yeah uh, like i have a degree in menswear oh well wow. so i can <laughs> i can make a mean pair of pants but it wasn't until i started understanding how uh how to do computer plotting like through like illustrator or some other type right. of design program yep. like autocad that i started understanding like actual like mathematics behind geometry and how all that works it's like so what's what's so, interesting so um, why don't we why aren't we mm-hmm. saying here is what yep. you're learning Here's what this is going to equate to. This is why you need to know it. And that's a, that's a yeah. that's an argument for a, or a discussion for it, another time. But it is. Um, just as a, as a minor diversion, <clears throat> um, we'll probably pause in one second. So I get yeah. some tea. Kind of getting over a cold here. Um, the um, the really important step that's happened in the last five or ten years, and I and, and I'll, I'll show this to you in, in a bit. And but the best way I can explain this is we've seen a massive change in, in manufacturing, mm-hmm. and um. Not to get crazy political, but, you know, a lot of people say, oh, where's all the manufacturing jobs? You know, they're not coming back. They've been replaced by robots. Yep. It's like you asking me right now, where's all the typesetting jobs? There's no more typesetting jobs because we have things like Adobe Illustrator. Yep. You know, if I have an Illustrator and a word processing program and a printer, I can do more on a piece of paper than people could do 100 years ago yep. with a building with a press. So what we've seen is that, that leap, right, mm-hmm. in desktop publishing the last five or 10 years, the leap has been desktop manufacturing. Yeah. And desktop manufacturing, we saw, you know, five or 10 years ago, we saw a big rise in 3D printers, right? Mm. And going back to sort of the DEF CON project, we are now able to build a very complicated circuit board, right? Mm-hmm. Or build a very complicated piece of hardware by doing it in an open source program on a computer, sending that out to a fabrication house and having it built, mm-hmm. right? So, so that job's never coming back. Yeah. Um, and it's not really about security, but you know, if, no, no, no. you know, if you think yeah. about you think about what's been happening, that that leap to be able mm-hmm. to do that very simply has been truly massive, and it's it's going to change things. It's, it'll, it's already changing the world. Yeah. Um, so speaking of the the desktop manufacturing, effectively, mm-hmm. um, so that so my after I did my uh, my undergrad in fashion, uh, I started doing a grad program for industrial design. Mm-hmm. Which I very quickly cut my losses and jumped out of because the the school wasn't willing to work with my schedule. And in the time since I dropped that program, I have become more and more into uh, maker culture. Right. Because it's like I learned a semester of model making, like one class, and it gave me enough of a foundation that I look at the the maker culture and I go... <laughs> Here's what what they're talking about, but here's <laughs> right. an easier way right. to do it. And mm-hmm. I, I'm super like me personally. I'm super com, uh, comfortable sitting at a computer and dicking around with uh, stuff like Alias or um, Rhino or right. SolidWorks or it's, stuff it's like actually, that. It's actually really hard to learn to think in 3D as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, 
but so I'm, I'm super comfortable doing that. And it's like, okay, well, how can I apply sitting at a desk for a couple hours to come up with whatever sort of object? And now how do I make that real? Right. Having things like 3D printing or having uh, 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 like a five-axis CNC mill, or, mm-hmm. which I'm amazed how cheap those things are starting to well, become. Well, you know, the other thing, too, is like you, you, you also have access to the internet. You can have someone else build it for you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, personally, you know, this is this, this is just pride here no, that no, I want to oh, build it my own. But, dim, so, but I'm but, saying yeah. you can do your own design yeah. and then send it out, and it'll 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 be back UPS, you know, two three weeks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right now we've been doing a lot of work with uh, with Macrofab in, mm-hmm. in Houston, Texas, and we're huge fans of Macro Macrofab. Okay. Um, the team of people I have working on this Defcon badge. That's what we've been we've been working with them. Nice. And that's you know, it's kind of my my prototype over here, which you can't see on the radio, but uh, this was made at Macrofab in Texas, so. They're really, it's really cool. Um, and then, you know, I have a small electronics lab up here, which, which, I, which I do a bunch of work at. I saw, what was it, uh, last night or the night before or something like that? You posted a photo of oh. you, like, doing something. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. Um, like, yeah I, I, have did, a, I didn't know he sits around, and, I didn't know he had space <laughs> for this. I have a friend that does a really wonderful uh, podcast. Well, I wouldn't call it a podcast. It's more like a TV show. Okay. But he does a TV show called Tomas's Test Kitchen, which you can find on. Okay. Yeah. And so, yeah. so we, he has, his house is crazy. He's got five or six cameras in the house all pointing at his kitchen. Okay. And an overhead camera hanging from the ceiling so he can cook. Okay. So, so, so is, this, is this just something on YouTube or Yeah, it's on, uh, he does on Facebook Live. Okay. But it's also, I think he's also got a website. Yeah, he does. Um, but the thing is, he wanted me to fix a microphone for him. So we're over here, like, taking a microphone <laughs> apart and resoldering microphones. But um, you know that's the other thing is the the, the other thing that's been happening. The opposite side is kind of the manufacturing stuff. Mm-hmm. It's gotten easier to manufacture. It's gotten harder to fix. Yeah, so I'm, like, I'm sitting here with a, an iPhone six six S plus. Yep. which is near impossible to fix aside from swapping out your display. I have the tools for it. Well, fair enough. <laughs> but you know it requires specialty tools. Yeah. If you are actually repairing that, you need a microscope. Yeah. Um. There is a really amazing guy on YouTube, by the way, called, uh, his name is Lewis Rossman, mm-hmm. but he runs a MacBook repair service, mm-hmm. but he spends all day looking through a microscope and swearing, and that's pretty much how he works. <laughs> I, I can I can align with that. Yeah. That's awesome. Where were we? <laughs> well, we got through my list. I, I didn't know that that would go that fast. <laughs> um, okay, well, so here, yeah. here's one thing, like, well, two things, they're kind of in the middle of this, um, and we kind of hinted on it with... Uh, talking about uh, threat profile. Well, was it threat profile? Threat modeling. Threat modeling. Um, <clears throat> yeah. That uh, let's say you are you or me or Joe yep. Blow out on the street mm-hmm. are um, engaged or and actively um, actively being an activist. Mm-hmm. Uh, to what to what's going on in the current political yeah. uh, realm of our country right now in California? Yep. It's a little different than if you're in like let's say Texas or if you're out on the East Coast or something right. like that uh, because of our state governments and our state governments are very clearly opposed to what's going mm-hmm. on federally. Um, is, well, what, what sort of stuff that could these I mean, the people first, start the, doing? I mean, the first thing is, is assume, you know, assume all communications are monitored, yeah. right? Assume that no matter what you do, someone's going to get, get a hold of your data. Mm-hmm. Um, also, you, real quick, I should say yeah. that you and I are talking about things that on a, that's going to be on a podcast on the internet Right. With their names attached to them. That's fine. I don't care. So, okay. You know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, also, yeah. I, 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 I find mean, this stuff ironic. Don't be afraid. To, don't fun. be afraid to speak out. Right. So, <clears throat> yeah. And then that's the problem. You know, people people will come after you. Right. Yeah. I mean, the um the most important thing is to maintain security of your accounts mm-hmm. and also understand that you should not be organizing. Like a lot of people organize on Facebook. 
which I think is ridiculous, right? Yeah, that, that we've sounds seen, real bad. We've seen, you know, we've seen cities issue uh, very broad subpoenas mm-hmm. to Facebook. Like, you know, give me everyone in the Black Lives Matter, like, Facebook group, which is completely illegal now, yeah. right? But, you know, but your data could get leaked, right? So, you know, understand that, like, you need secure methods of communication. Mm-hmm. You should be organizing using secure methods. You should not use... Um, should not be using Facebook to organize a protest. Yeah. Well, I'd say the the kind of paranoid part of me that uh, kind of comes from growing up in the 90s whenever we had a lot of dystopic, uh, anti... <laughs> we anti, didn't, we uh, didn't know what dystopia was. Yeah. Well, now we know. <laughs> we're, we are, we're very closely, uh, quickly approaching it. What is it, uh, 1984 was not a... Uh, it was a warning, not a manual. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but so I remember whenever the, the internet first started really debuting, or at least at a consumer level, because mm-hmm. um, my first, uh, I guess say this, my first experiences online were with Prodigy Online. Oh, yeah. Back in like 1992 or Jeez. 93. So it's been a while. <laughs> um, but I remember- if, like, I, if I tell you mine, you're going to say I'm very old. <laughs> oh, no, no. Um, but so- I remember, like, just from a, I don't want to say, like, popular culture, but, right. like, seeing on the news or hearing uh, rumors, oh, I heard about something or something, whatever happened on that AOL, and people became really afraid of interacting with the online world, uh, mm-hmm. whether it's the web oh, well, or well, dealing yeah, with... Yeah, I think, I think back then you, you hear these stories about, you know, child molesters and criminals and things like that. Yeah. But... That's that's a different. That's like a like a personal threat, personal problem. You know, yeah. Like people putting their kids online unsupervised and things like that. Um, online unsupervised <clears throat> from oh, age yeah. thirteen hey, on. So hey, <laughs> right it got me to where I am today. I don't care. Yeah. But you know the thing is, um, teach the kids common sense. They won't have a problem, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the. You know what I miss? What I miss IRC. Oh, I really miss IRC. You know, it's still there. No, it's, it's, still, it's there. still there. So, uh, so and actually, like, IRC. I, I, it's funny. It's funny you mention that because we, you know, right, right up the street, like two doors down, we have Slack, right? Mm-hmm. And Slack is IRC on steroids. Oh yeah, but it's a closed system. Right? Well, and just recently, I've started using Slack because of my Patreon account and stuff like that. Right. And a couple of the people who contribute to the podcast will chat on there every once in a while, but usually nothing's going on. But no, right. with uh, so um, from about age fourteen on, I was using MIRC on the undernet server. Yep. And I was on, like, I would get, go and sit in the teenager, like, 14 to 19, whatever. Burp, burp, burp. <laughs> right. Like, I didn't know any better. I'm 14. Right. Um, or, like, my brother, so I have, an, I have an older brother. Yep. Uh, he's three years older than me. And he got me into a different channel, which was Vamp Cafe. Ooh. This is, well. It's where all the goth kids hang out. This is where all the goth kids <laughs> hang out. We and, used to use, you know, for us, it was hash, you know, pound gothic. Well, ha- I, hashtag everyone says hashtag now. Yeah, I, I still no, prefer pound. No one says and, no one says Octothorpe. That is not true. My a good friend of mine, uh, I would like to say friend of the show, um, who I'm trying to get on here. He actually owns NoOctothorpe.com. Wow. And he, it, it is his his link blog and his long form blog. Wow. Uh, and he used to do a podcast. Like so, he's the only person I've ever, other than you, just now. Ever hear him <laughs> say that, saying that word? So that See, makes that's, me that's a little bit excited. That's because my, you know, my, my first job was mm-hmm. I worked at a graphic design. Well, I worked at an ad agency. Mm-hmm. Always liked it. You know, back then, always liked agency work in the 90s because we did a lot of websites mm-hmm. and a lot of graphics. It was super cool. But uh, yeah, you, you get to know weird, weird you know, typesetting terms. Yeah. It's, just, it's funny because whenever uh, all of the, well, hashtag this, hashtag that, 
because of Twitter in the last like four years. He was Sorry. like, you know what? <laughs> He's like, you know what? Uh uh-uh. uh. Nope. Nope. No Octothorpe.com. No Octothorpe. And they, so he he launched that a couple years ago. And every time every time I see a hashtag on a billboard, I go, Oh, what have I done? What have I done? What have I done? <laughs> no, in, in, on our, and on IRC, I remember that was the first time I ever saw the uh, what we refer to as the at sign, and that was for operators for channels. Yeah, but so. we also, you know, it's funny the um, the the at reply syntax mm-hmm. and all those syntaxes on Twitter, those were generated by people. Like Twitter never. Yeah. You know, never, but the the at reply um, that that that's that's straight out of IRC. I'm, yeah. I'm I miss the community stuff with that because it was just like one well, one one chat log yeah. and you'd have your your private messaging on the side so one group conversation right. and the thing <sighs> that I the thing that I miss is that we've got so many so many companies right now where what the company is is the company the company's struggling to make money they're struggling to grow and what they don't realize is that the company is a protocol right so technically twitter as proud as I am for making that exist mm-hmm. and working on it for eight some odd years of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, Twitter is a, should have been a protocol. Mm-hmm. It's a protocol in search of a business, right? Mm-hmm. Same thing with companies that you have companies that build their entire business on like writing a mail server. It's like, no, you're a protocol, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and you know, the, the protocol exists in every copy of Unix in the world. It's, it's mm-hmm. already out there. Um, Facebook is basically AOL, right? It's a, oh, yeah. it's a closed walled garden that people mm-hmm. are not going to leave that, you know, security and everything is up to them. You know, Slack is IRC, mm-hmm. which is a closed walled, it's a set of closed, walled off mm-hmm. gardens for businesses. Well, th- this just makes, reminds me that, it, like of the, the phrase of everything that is old is new again. Oh, uh, yeah. It's like Facebook is the new AOL. Yep. Google's the new Microsoft. Yeah, in a way. Apple yep. is, I mean, Apple's not the old Apple, but they're Mm-mm. still, they're, to a certain degree, it's still kind of Apple, but yeah, you know, I I, I still yeah. love their products. Um, I, but, I worked I worked yeah. there for a very small very small amount of time. Oh, I I remember yeah. I I remember dealing with your team. <laughs> I don't know if you were on the team whenever I had to deal with that team. Oh, uh, I so Apple uh, security from 2005 until 2000. Well, I mean, I oh, left yeah. the company in 2013, um, but until early 2012, I was in charge in charge of visual merchandising for the store right here. Oh man. Or yeah, the, the, the store, store in Chicago. Oh geez. So like the big That's flagships there. So I would have to work. like, Hey, ice and tea. I got a problem with that <laughs> thing. What do I do? So yeah, like it, it would happen every once in a while, but not very often. And, uh, after a while, I think we ended up having like a, a retail technology that would kind of be that, that gateway to get ice and tea sort of problems done. Oh, yeah. That's that, that just cracks me up whenever you're like, had, Oh I, yeah. Whenever I was working for a, yeah. for Apple and ice and tea, I was like, Oh, yeah. I remember those guys. I should tell I'll, I'll tell you someday about the um, the warrant we we received from one of those stores. <laughs> I have to do that offline though. So sorry <laughs> that that was you, because this is radio. You don't see me having the big eyes, <laughs> yeah. like wide eyes open. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, a lot of people don't understand the uh, the capabilities of of law enforcement and mm-hmm. what what they can and can't ask for. You know, mm-hmm. so you know that's why that's why I sort of harp on these non open systems because anytime you know there's two big things right the one thing that comes up all the time is if if you're not paying for something you're the product yep right so that's what you you know use facebook you're the product mm-hmm. you use slack well you're paying for it it's not really it, they don't have an advertising unless you have one. a team of less than so many people yeah, then <laughs> so. then you're just kind of like a i guess i guess you're the product because you're basically free qa yeah. right? that's what you're at. probably yeah um but you know the the idea is is um if you use a closed system and somebody wants your information, 
or like if you use Gmail and you make somebody very angry, mm -hmm. they can go to a judge, they can get a subpoena, and they can get your information, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, I can get metadata with a subpoena, mm -hmm. I can get, or a court order, or I can get a warrant to get all of your data, mm -hmm. right? And like, for example, hypothetically, like if someone sued your company, mm -hmm. As part of the discovery process, they could get a court order to get all your emails. Mm -hmm. So, so with the company that I work for right now, that's actually something that um, a couple of years ago yeah. we ended up. It became a big thing with my team uh, because my team was kind of in charge of customer support at the time, right? And uh, it very quickly became: if this specific type of circumstance ever happens, do not email me. Like right. this is coming from my VP. Do not email me yep. with these any of these following words of these right. following twenty terms. If you need if you need to let me know, yep. write it down on a piece of paper with a pen. Yeah, and walk um, over to me. There's actually there's another thing you can do too as well. If the hypothetically, if you are mailing the company's lawyer, mm -hmm. right? I mean, you to your VP, that's one thing. Yeah. Right. But if you were like mailing the company's lawyer and you put in the email, was it um Attorney-client confidential, yep. attorney-client pri privilege, right? Yep. That email is not subject to discovery. So it's fun. that's another thing that's funny yeah. that you mentioned that because I've been going through and uh, part of what I'm doing these days, what my role is, like what it actually says on paper, right. is very different than what I actually sure. do, that's so, usually, which is funny. That's true for everybody. <laughs> if you're really good at – the cool thing about my company is if you're really good at doing your job, you get to do someone else's too. Um, so What's that? There's a word for that. It's the uh, – <laughs> The crisis of, of uh, competence or something. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but so um, I've been going through and rebuilding templates for PowerPoint presentations oh, yeah. and for Word documents. Just just having the company wordmark and a 2017 name confidential across yeah, yeah. the bottom. And uh, there were – like our, our the main PowerPoint preset that we've used for almost everything – is a really gross looking one from five <laughs> years ago. Uh, but on all of them, it says attorney, uh, like attorney client confidential privilege across the. Really? And, th and this is on, for, on PowerPoint. On PowerPoints. Well, yeah, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> I don't know, but it, yeah, it, it's it, one of those things that they're, I, I guess only, they're trying I mean, to cover I mean, their ass. I mean, I don't know. We're not going to talk about where you work, but if you yeah. work at a, at a law firm, maybe that's different. Mm -hmm. But, you know, um, it's really hard to get around, well, really hard to get around, you know, court orders and things yeah. like that. Um, you know, that, that's probably a good lead into another topic, mm -hmm. which I always talk about with mm -hmm. security people, which is don't store data you don't need, you know? Yeah. And so the co companies have data retention policies. Mm -hmm. And if you minimize the amount of data that you store, <clears throat> then when someone comes asking for it, you're not going to have it. Exactly. So, <clears throat> you know, there's a lot of like VPN providers out there. And, and VPN providers in general are kind of a joke, but... But a lot of these companies, they only store data for like 24 hours. Mm -hmm. So the idea is it's just long enough to debug, but it's not long enough to have it if in case someone comes by with a court order. Mm -hmm. um, but but like some of these features exist also in the iPhone, right? Mm -hmm. Like now the, the iPhone, if you don't provide a fingerprint um, in 48 hours, you have to enter a passcode. Right? I think it's actually less than that. The, um, the, 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 they might have cut that back. Well, because if I go, there, there are some nights that I'll crash out at like 10 p.m. because right. I'm exhausted. I wake up at 6 a.m. the next morning and it asks asks me for my passcode. Wow. Like if I haven't woken up overnight and and logged in with huh. my thumb. So I think they've trimmed it down to yeah. within uh, eight hours or less to say, hey, if you haven't put your 
Right. It, like, so we, we, I mean, we have a lot. Of, we have a lot of problems right now, especially. So one one thing we haven't really discussed is border crossings. You yeah. Know? So we've seen a lot of changes now with border crossings. Um, you know, and I, I people people come up to me asking for advice now. It's like, what do you do? It's like, oh, leave all your electronics at home. You know, nobody wants to do that. Yeah. But it's like if you travel, and also I've I've, I've seen some stories on the internet. I don't know how true these are, but I've seen stories of people being detained because they were they were stopped. They were asked for their device. Their device was empty. So that that's another thing. Uh, so there's a podcast that I listen to every week from Tested.com. Yep. Uh, and I would like to think that I'm friends with a couple of the guys. Like sure. we, we message back and forth on Twitter about different things. Um, and one of them was talking about this in this week's episode uh, where I believe he said that EFF had posted something saying, hey, if you're worried about this sort of stuff, Back up your phone before you get to the get to customs. Wipe your phone, set yep. it up as a new device, and then when you get on the other side, go ahead and reinstall all your stuff. And yeah, I don't think EFF would have give okay. would, would give you that advice. I will. I will. And, and the reason, the, and this, the reason, yeah. the reason why I say that is because there's so many there's so many problems with that. Mm -hmm. So first thing is is like you'd have to restore the device. Um, in another country. Yeah. So well, we don't know. Potentially through another, through uh, another, somebody else's Wi-Fi right, or something Right, someone else's like Wi-Fi. We don't know how safe that is. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, Apple uses SSL and everything's encrypted, but, uh, you know, you have a long time to restore. Okay. Um, most of the devices, you know, like I know that the iPhone, I don't know if the iPhone will come up or not if you don't log in. I don't know what the case is there. I haven't tested that, but... Um, that's most mostly like the advice I would give people is get a burner phone. Mm -hmm. You know, don't carry your contacts because yeah. when you get compromised, you compromise everybody else you know too. Yeah, because now they know. You know, now they know. They know who, who you, you know. who you know. Yeah, and that's a big. That's, I mean, this is another thing. Every service out there wants access to your contacts, right? LinkedIn, Facebook, you, Twitter. You know, like, don't don't. Th this this is this is a a, a bone that I got to pick. Um, or axe that I have to grind, bone that I have to yeah. pick, whatever. <laughs> um, something that really pissed me off a couple of years ago is whenever I first signed up for LinkedIn. It was around the time. It was probably right before I moved back from Chicago because I was, eh, should right. I stay with Apple or am I gonna look for a new company? And one day I was like, okay, cool, open up LinkedIn and everything. And it had, I'm a, I, I don't recall doing this. It looked like it had automatically started pulling all of my contacts out of my phone and sending out. Saying, wow. hey, this person's like just to let you know well, they, this person's on LinkedIn if you want to be on LinkedIn too. I think they had a bug. They had a bug a couple okay. years ago that, that actually Ugh. grossly violated because I remember there were a whole bunch of salespeople I'd never talked to mm -hmm. that suddenly started emailing me and I my LinkedIn account became a wasteland. Mm. I had to get the hell away from it. Well, in in a similar thing happened with me um with the was it Google Plus? Uh back oh. whenever Google Plus was oh, a thing, Google Plus. Um that it automatically started uploading all of my uh, all of my photos to Google. Like, here's my photo roll on my yep. phone. Mind you, this was a couple years ago when right, right. I didn't have as giant of a storage on here and I could only keep, you know, 100 photos or something like that. But it's like, what if those were, there were some compromising photos? Oh. No, 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 no. Don't, <laughs> like, don't automatically sync my shit with your fucking server. Yep. That's not cool. Come on. And immediately I so, had everything deleted and shut down my Google Plus account. Yeah. Like, I have Most, a Gmail account, but I, so I can't. I can't fully shut okay. down everything, but yeah, I mean, having worked, you know, having worked for a very large social media company, I will tell you that most of these, most of these things are, they are attempts to grow their service by locking you into the service, you know, just make a good service. Well, then yeah, well, yeah, hey, if, if, here, 
<laughs> I have been on Twitter since 2008. Whenever yep. someone who I worked with was yep. like, "Yeah, I'm on this thing. It's called Twitter, and yep. you, you can send messages from from SMS on your phone." I was like, "Oh, cool. That seems neat." And it's like a feed where it's like, yeah. it's kind of like your MySpace feed where people like post updates. And I was like, well, "That's kind of cool." Well, there were and, no there were no photos or videos back then. Well, sure. It was just it except was just, for like TwitPic. Yeah, but it was just. I'm doing this, or this person is doing this, mm-hmm. and here's how I feel, or here's what I think about something. And I thought it was great. I would like to think that I have been a devout Twitter <laughs> user since then. It's only been in the last year that I've been just like, come the fuck on. Well, about I certain, I, yeah. uh, and I think a lot of it's because most of the people that I cared to pay attention to have either moved off the service or aren't this posting. Is the same, this is the same thing that happened to Usenet in the, no. you know, it's like, Usenet's great, everyone's on Usenet, yay, all the smart people are on Usenet. And then suddenly it was like, Ooh, it's open to the public now. Oh wait. Oh, AOL connected Usenet to AOL. Oh shit. But yeah. it's the same it's the same thing. The, you know, you get all the all the early adopters and then you know the community gets overtaken. And it's it's very it's very hard to use Twitter now. I mean there's the there's the abuse problem, there's there's having to read all the Trump the Trump stuff. And I <laughs> you know, I'm funny because I follow both sides. Mm-hmm. Right. I read I have CNN and Fox News. You know, I have I have Trump and Trump's kids, and I also have all the Obamas. You know, because I want to see both sides of the story. Sure, um, they're horrifying, but <laughs> but that's see that, that that's why I try to. So I don't. It was so I went through and actively attempted to block any mention of Donald Trump in my feed for a while, and yeah, it didn't good, work. Good luck. Yeah, it didn't work. Um, but. What I realize is that there are plenty of people that I uh, follow on Twitter uh, that I respect their opinion enough right. to, for them to be a filter for what mm-hmm. I what I care to hear, and that counts for news outlets, that counts for individuals, um, and that counts for uh, different types of companies and groups and things like that out there. Hmm. And so I'm like, okay, because my curation apparently isn't fucking working right now. <laughs> I'm gonna let you curate stuff because you seem to retweet and and spread message all the time. And maybe, right. maybe that's a little bit of the echo chamber, but at the same time, I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm seeing stuff from all over the place. People that I wouldn't think to even, even read and getting random opinions about whatever, or people's stories about what they're going through right. with what's going on right now. And so I'm like, okay, I think I'm good to just let these people feed me information right now. And until something happens that I need to kind of filter that out, then Right now, I'm I'm very comfortable with it, but yeah. I could I could still do with a little less Trump in my feed. <laughs> but at the same time, it's kind of important that I see the shit that's going on. So I, I'm well. This I'm, was um there was a big discussion, sort of I think when Twitter was moving towards algorithmic timelines, right? Mm-hmm. And for a long time, there's you know the feed at least the feed was sacrosanct. You just didn't touch it. You didn't touch the feed. The feed was it was a timeline. You know, it was yep. a, and. The problem is, as you say, with the, the echo chamber, the echo chamber gets created when you're training this algorithm to mm-hmm. only return the things that you like. Yeah. Right? This happens everywhere. So there's a problem with any sort of machine learning, which is like, oh, this guy likes these things. Okay. Let's I'm, keep serving I'm, I'm only going to give him these things. Okay. How do you get, how do you get variation and difference in mm-hmm. there? Um, you know, some of these algorithms even include like a, ran- a randomness factor mm-hmm. to just kind of, kind of, Every know, now and then pull something in that. Pull something crazy. Yeah. And I, th- I think I've run into that with uh, with other services. Uh, so here's something. Uh, I think you use Instagram. I do once in a while. Okay. Yep. Uh, I mean, it, you know, I'm a, I, I love photography, but I don't post like I used. I used to, I used to you know shoot twice a week. Oh, I remember. And I and I, I, I calmed <laughs> down quite a bit. I think I think what what did it for me is I 
I had to carry, you know, I was carrying camera gear. And mm-hmm. one night I went to DNA and like I had an entire camera bag get stolen. Mm-hmm. I remember which that. Which was returned very quickly. But it, it, it made me like, made me realize I was like, oh, maybe this community is, you know. <laughs> not not, not well, so good. But anyway, I'm, I'm very I'm very careful about it because I've spent years curating camera equipment. It's like I want to hang on to it. Yeah. Well, so on on Instagram, um, there is so you've got all the different buttons across the bottom, yeah. and you have the spyglass one, which is just show me things that are suggested or things that I want to search for right. or things that are popular right now. By the way, I don't know why the fuck, but it keeps showing me voguing. Huh. Are, do you know what voguing is? You mean like Madonna? Well, it's like the yeah, yeah, like yeah, weird yeah, yeah. dancey People things. Dancing. Okay, I don't. It's been in that that little spyglass thing for a year. I have never searched for that term. I have never liked something. There's your randomness. You must, you, must, you must have clicked on the Madonna fan club or something. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, don't know. Uh, I, I do know that it has a lot of cats that people, show up in my people feed. People who like the '90s also liked. Well, maybe that that could be <laughs> it. I, maybe I lo- so I think what it, what it's doing is it's you know. It, what you're saying about uh, like the the machine learning algorithmic uh, learning that it's okay. Well, I like this. This other person that I also follow liked this. Well, like the same thing. So maybe feed me some of the things that they like, right? And some things that 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 they liked, or the person whose photo they liked also liked, and it kind of goes out a, almost like the six degrees of separation sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It it goes out a couple of different steps and goes, okay, well let's 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 just throw all this shit in there. For the longest time, it was nothing but boobs. <laughs> it was just like, oh, well, here are girls who I guess are modeling on, on and this is going to show my age a little bit, on shit like Suicide Girls. <laughs> and it's like, I don't hear about any of that stuff anymore. Uh, but oh, like, it just, was just like, it was like a feed of nothing bad. but boobs and cats. <laughs> and I'm going... Boobs and cats. I'm like, uh, I, I, okay. That's and, like that's like the, you know, boots and cats. <laughs> You know, boots and cats and boots and cats and boots and cats and fish. You know, yeah. like. <laughs> so, have you ever done that with uh, with an iPhone? What's, you, what's you, that? You ask Siri to uh, to beatbox for you? No. Uh, oh, really? I will do oh. this on air. <laughs> You'll have to hold up the microphone. Here, I can, I can turn it up a little bit. That may be beyond my abilities at the moment. Okay, let's try this again. Whoa. When did Siri become male? You can change it. Can you beatbox again? Can you beatbox for me? Here's one I've been practicing: boots and cats and boots and cats. There it is. There it is. Boots and cats and boots. I could do this all day. Cats and boots and cats and boots and cats and boots and cats. Wow. And cats and boots and cats and boots and cats. So, so the reason why mine is the male voice is because you can actually choose what language, what dialect, and what. Uh, gender oh, you wow. want Siri to respond to you and I decided I wanted mine to be kind of like uh, Jarvis from, Jarvis from Iron right. Man so I, I chose the the British male or, or English British male <laughs> so it, it sounds very posh very posh so. that's funny yeah. um, actually 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 in need of a female <clears throat> of a female robotic voice the other day because I'm working I do um, another thing I do so we're kind of sitting at my studio I have a lot of sound equipment here mm-hmm. I work on a show called Hubba Hubba Review. It's yeah, a yeah, big yeah. burlesque variety show. I do all the tech for it. You uh, a while back you were doing uh, oh, yeah. lighting software and all that. I wrote yeah, I wrote I wrote software for doing stage management. That's troopit.com. So if you conference or stage management, it's a really neat neat software package. Um, still actively maintaining that code and actually had a patch of bug this morning when I woke awesome. up, so that was exciting. Um, but anyway, um, 
we're actually doing this show coming up called Space Station 1977, and it's the 70s, which is an amazing time for... That just makes me think of Star Wars. Right, well, right, Star Wars, okay. 77, right? So it's Star Wars, your Close Encounters. Okay. So I'll, I'll show you something later. We actually edited together this rapid cut of Close Encounters for someone's act, and then... Okay. Then you know I get I get a script every once in a while from Jim, and the script comes in, and this time it's like I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Logan's Run. Mm-hmm. So Logan's Run has a bizarre thing where like if you're over thirty, you gotta kill yourself, right? Or you get renewed. So they have this crazy end scene, which is was actually quite a moment in cinematic history because it was the first time they actually had like eighteen performers flying in the air, and they would rise up, and then like these explosive charges would go off and then they would, you know, they, they were being killed. They were being renewed, whatever. Mm-hmm. So the whole, the whole thing about Logan's run is nobody was, you know, older than 30. But anyway, so Jim wants to recreate that scene. And I'm like, you want to recreate this scene, which is like incredible moment in, in, mm-hmm. in cinema history because there's an old effects designer who actually built the, he built the carousel everyone was standing on and all the rigging and the winches and, and we're probably only going to have two two aerialists or something simple. Yeah, but, I was about to say, you know, uh, like, I know DNA, and I've seen aerialists. There's, there's, no, there's no room for this yeah. stuff at DNA. But anyway, but I still have to recreate all, all the sound effects. Okay. So, you know, get the there's, there's a Moog in here, and there's a bunch of other toys. Well, I, I saw you've got the, the YouTube page Oh, yeah, uh, page yeah, yeah for... so you came over, and I was watching the... That's the, that's the, the, the Logan's Run carousel renewal scene. Yeah, happy birthday to everyone turning 30, it says, because they're all going to die. Um... <laughs> But uh, anyway, so I've been going through, and you know, sometimes we do a lot of we do a lot of work with found sound effects. Mm-hmm. So we'll probably take this video and chop it up and mm-hmm. see what I can use from it. And if I can't do it, I'll re- I'll recreate it, mm-hmm. or I'll have someone come in and record it. Gotcha. Well, you know, it'll be fun though. Uh, I was actually in here yesterday for about four hours, like editing Close Encounters. So that was that was hilarious. That just that sounds like a lot of fun. To oh, me. I can waste a lot of time up here. So you know, that's what I'm, that's what I'm doing instead of uh, you know. Probably looking for another security job. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, ever, ever so ever since Twitter went public, yeah, because I I knew you since bef- before any right. of that happened, like years before that. As soon as Twitter went public, I just went, oh, I wonder what John's gonna do now. <laughs> yeah, like because I, I I is the clock ticking? Is he gonna stick around? And then uh, yeah, I, it's um, like oh, you bought a condo, no, I stayed, you yeah, all these different yeah, things. I stayed I'm like, there for um, hmm. so I, st- I, I actually I stuck around for quite a while. I was there for almost a full. And like like another year and a half mm-hmm. after they went public, and a lot of it was like just the work and getting the company ready mm-hmm. to go public. So a lot of security work, a lot of auditing, mm-hmm. things like that. And then afterwards, it was like, oh shit, what do we do now? Yeah. And also, it's really hard to leave somewhere you've been for you know yeah. eight years. But well, I mean, I went through the same thing. Uh, like I was with yeah. Apple for yeah. almost nine years, yep. and I was just like, I really like for the for the the year and a half or almost two years after that. Yeah. As much as I love my current company. I felt those pangs anytime there'd be a new product announcement or or there would be a public statement about something that oh, I actually felt about. And right. just like, oh, this yeah, I, started, I, I really wish I could be back there. I mean, I was I was blogging and I was emailing people who were still at the company every time they would do something ridiculous and the email would make its way around. You know. Right. And the other crazy thing is for about a year afterwards, after I left, it was going to going to going away parties, like people mm-hmm. that were leaving Twitter and I would just show up and, you know, say bye. But almost everyone I knew is is gone. I don't I don't know many people there There's, anymore. There's um there's a girl who, a woman, a young woman, yep. who um, works on content for my project that she works from home here in the city. Oh, she, doesn't, nice. she doesn't come out to the office. Uh, would you, we, As I'm sure you've heard on the news, we don't have any parking space. We don't, we don't have desk space. We have that many people and engineers and stuff like that. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of people that they just let them work from home. And she happens to be on one of those teams. She lives in the building adjacent 
to Twitter huh. right there on, I guess oh, it's uh, 10th uh, or 11th. Nima. Uh, yeah, funny, and, funny story. We should we should talk about this. is a crazy. I remember when that thing that was yeah. a hole in the ground, yeah, right yeah. next to it. Uh, but she lives in one of the uh, one of the stories that's higher than like Twitter <laughs> is tall, and so she can see so down can into see the down. rooms. And she's like, "It's empty. There's no one there. Like there are entire rooms that are just empty." Huh. So I'm going. That's interesting. Huh. Well, in case. Well, they, they, it, but they had 17 percent layoffs or something. Some this huge... would explain this probably. Yeah. Um, I was just going to say, um, I don't know if a lot of people realize this, but you've got a lot of these, um, like Maso and Nima mm-hmm. and all these buildings that have come up. They're, you know, luxury apartments. Yeah. But at the same time, I have seen many, many startups being run out of these apartment buildings. They're using them it's for compl- office space? It's completely illegal, yeah. It's completely illegal? It's, a, it's illegal. You can't do that, right? San Francisco has building codes. So yeah. Well, it's hey, I... 17 people in someone's apartment, you know. Well, no, I, I think that, so with, uh, oh, that was your, your Sorry, slack. slack. Um, with this, uh, this young woman who, uh, I work with, she has like six roommates. Right. And it's probably like a three bedroom apartment or something like that. So I'm like, Ooh, so you're, you're, you're doing that type of lifestyle. Right. Right. Well, it, but then again, how, but, how know, expensive is it? Well, I mean, I mean, you know, it's funny. So, you know, I fully remodeled my condo between 2012 and mm-hmm. 2014 mm-hmm. and it, it's, it was really funny to go to these places and be like, oh, luxury apartment building. You're like, mm, yeah, and you have a one-piece plastic bathroom. You know, it's like they don't know they, they don't know what luxury is. Yeah. You know, they, they've never built it. They've never seen it. But it, but they'll charge you $5,000 a month. The the only saving grace is that as the tech the tech climate, I think, is cooling off in San Francisco. Oh, I, I think so, too. Um, and I I've think, been here long enough to, to see it, too. We've seen we've seen the VC funding come down mm-hmm. a little bit. You know, And as the funding has been coming down, um, you know, less companies are I – mean, a lot of companies don't make it out as – they don't make it out of Series B, mm-hmm. you know. The they get a lot of a lot of uh, angel investment and Series A investment from uh, from people that have left companies like Facebook and Google and Twitter. Mm-hmm. And then when the smart money comes in, when the investors come in, they don't want to they don't want to fund these ideas because they're crazy. But that that being said, we're also seeing more. There's more construction going on. Mm-hmm. The rents are starting to calm down from yeah. people that I know. I mean, I'm well. Uh, I'm going to be looking for a place yeah. in. Uh, a few weeks oh, yeah. i'm gonna start well like really it's like starting march 1st right. i will start looking and i'm gonna start like like it's i have no choice but to find something the, yeah. by the third week of march oh, because geez. i have to move uh like the second to last week of right 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 so but, but at least you know at least in this case i think i think i've seen some of the rents come down i i i, I obviously i'm not looking but yeah but i have friends you know yeah. friends are still renting yeah. um, i remember so right here around the corner I'm not going to say exactly what yeah, the apartment yeah, yeah, is because right. that's... Yeah, yeah don't. <laughs> um, so right, right around, the, around the corner <laughs> have is some, the... Have some upside. I, I guess it's... Uh, is it Maso that's at six, well, 5th and Folsom? Yeah. Okay, so whenever my wife and I were moving out of Marin County, we were trying to get on the peninsula, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. San Francisco or somewhere on the peninsula. We ended up in Union City and because it was close to my office uh, and it was next to BART so that she could BART into the city to her right. office. Um, but we looked at Maso like just online, like right after it opened and they were offering $4,000 a month for a studio. <laughs> and like, oh my like, God. and I had, well, and the thing is they didn't actually post it on their website. I eat, I had to email and say, Hey, I'm interested to try to find out what you guys' rates are. Right. I would like to, you know, pretend, I'm trying to move back into the city and they, Oh yeah. 4,000 a month for a studio, 5,000 for a one bedroom, that sort what? of thing. <laughs> and my response was like, I, I was very rude about it. I was like, you are, being predatory that yeah, is you not are part cool of, you, you are, are part, you of, are the part of the problem <laughs> and 
the woman I get well had a female name, so I'm going to assume woman right. was tr- trying to be as uh, cordial as possible while not telling me off. And I'm just like, right. sorry, you're part of the problem. You work for a company that is part of the problem. And if you are willing to work for that company that's part of the problem, then you are very clearly a part of this too. And right. the same thing happened whenever we were living in Union City because they decided to raise our rent by 30% year over year uh, whenever we Jesus. came up for renewal. 30 to 30 isn't, isn't even legal. Well, no, no, no. In um, what county is it on the other side? Uh, Oakland. And oh, Indiana. in Oakland. Yeah, it's probably well, gotten really bad there. I mean, I mean, well, I'm, I'm looking at an, at an article now that says uh, SF rent declines will save the average new renter an estimated 960 this year. So maybe well, this 960 dollars over the course of a year is not, it's a not lot. that it's not much. A lot. That's like it's like 50 bucks a month. Yeah, well, or 75 dollars a month. That's well, but, you know, but that's still 75 dollars a month. Statistics, average, median, yeah, mean, yeah. You know, so oh my god. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty screwed up here in San Francisco. But, I miss living down here. I used to live at 6th and Brandon oh. in um, those crazy-looking lofts over there. Oh, yeah. And I thought I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, and... I mean, I lived for years at 7th and Folsom, so... Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, you know, south of market's always been my hood, so... Yeah, I I was here for a year and a half. Like, I used to live at uh, Bush and Hyde up oh, on yeah. Nob Hill, um, and then moved... Like, I was there for three years and then came down here for a year and a half, and so all of this is old stomping grounds, and... I definitely really miss it, but it's it's it's, it's crazy <laughs> it's, it's, walking it's, it's and seeing cha- so it's, much it's de- changed, development. It's going changed on. quite a bit. Um, a lot of buildings, a lot of construction. Well, we've got we've got three buildings going up now on Folsom Street. Uh, yeah. The uh, this afternoon, whenever I was heading in, um, I took two eighty to dump down onto Sixth and Brandon, and I remember Soma. Well, not Soma, but Mission Bay. Oh yeah. When it was nothing but gravel. It was a hole. Well, the only yeah. thing I remember ever being at Mission Bay was level was uh, layer three. Because uh, that okay. building, the China China Basin building, mm-hmm. used to have a massive parking lot in the front, but it was a data center. Okay. That was one of the largest data centers down here. Okay. And I had a lot of servers there at a previous company. Okay. And we pulled. I mean, we, we pulled everything out eventually. But, yeah. You know, now it's now it's just crazy. The ballpark and all the apartment buildings. Well, every, everybody wants to be where things are happening. Right, I right. think the Giants winning the World Series three times. Everyone's like, oh, <laughs> I want to be down near the ballpark and. Of course, that's going to drive rents yeah, up. I was so I was living in uh, that apartment at Sixth and Brandon whenever they yeah. won the first time, like and I. So I think that night because I I distinctly remember this from you. Yeah, is that uh, you're on Twitter. And you're yeah. like you're like oh here's the link to the SFPD. Yeah, yeah uh, the SFPD scanner. Yeah, scanners, and it's like okay, well we go to listen to that. My and, favorite my favorite memory of that night is <clears throat> there were two apparently two police officers that were at Fourth uh, and Brandon or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're listening to the scanner, and suddenly this guy, like one of the one of the officers, calls in. He's like, "Yeah, so we need some we need some assistance down here." And the dispatcher comes back and was, and she's like, "No, you need to leave." And they're like, <laughs> "What?" And they're like, "They're like, yeah, we're we are we are abandoning that uh, that part of town. We're directing all officers to the mission where the buses are on fire." It's like, oh, and okay, and and I'm like, wait, you can't leave. This is my house. <laughs> like, like, so anyway, anyway, yep. um, well, well, so it, do we have unless we have anything yeah, uh, further about security? You no, and I can just chat. No, but um, we can talk about whatever and uh, uh, just you, yeah. We want to yeah okay. Well, um, thanks for listening, I guess, yeah. and we'll well, thanks for uh for letting me swing by yep. and us sitting around chatting about all the things. Yep. Uh, and I'm gonna go through and put together a like real show notes. Yeah. 
uh, with all the different things that we were talking about with security. Uh, and if there's anything that you want to add to it, yeah, I'll like send you. I'll send you. I'll, I'll send yeah. a, a list of links for the listeners and to give you some links to things like the YubiKey and surveillance yeah. self defense and U2F and things yeah. like that. So, uh, so I guess the biggest takeaways uh, that I just yeah. want to reiterate right. before, while we're still on yeah. is really. F- at, if you want to be involved with uh, any sort of political activism, yeah. first off, figure out your threat model. Yeah, know your th- know your threat model. Walk through surveillance self defense by the EFF. Uh, don't organize on anything that can be subpoenaed, and that means third party services. Yeah. Um, organize. Personally, off- I'm a fan of you know writing little notes. Have you seen the the? Uh, it was a uh, Don Shadila movie from years ago where he was playing as a as a fake terrorist who is like CIA oh. who is uh undercover. No, I have to watch this. Off diff- I, I don't I don't think it was traitor, but it may have been called traitor. Yeah. Uh but basically what it turned into is that the way that this terrorist cell was operating was that they just completely stopped using anything digital and went back to like how to pass messages yeah. prior this to is, this is going to sound crazy but like there are terrorist groups now online Mm-hmm. Like ISIS, that are actually publishing OPSEC manuals that are probably better than half the companies I've worked at. You know what I mean? That's that's crazy. It's crazy talk. Well, when you've got enough people yeah. that are there, like focusing on a specific subject, right? Regardless of their affiliation, they go. might they might do something good. So, All right. Well, thank you again. Yeah, I no really problem. appreciate it. And uh, see you next time. Yep. All right. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.